0: reading is Ezekiel 34, 7-16, it's on page 796. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord, as I live the declaration of the Lord God, because my flock has become prey and food for every wild animal, since they lack a shepherd. For my shepherds do not search for my flock, and because the shepherds feed themselves rather than my flock, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says. Look, I am against the shepherds. I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves, for I will rescue my flock from their mouths, so that they will not be food for them. For this is what the Lord God says. See, I myself will search for my flock and look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day, he is among his scattered flock, so I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a cloudy and dark day. I will bring them out from the peoples, gather them from, their own, from the countries, and bring them into their own land. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will tend them with good pasture, and their grazing place will be on Israel's lofty mountains." There they will lie down in good grazing place. They will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured, and strengthen the weak. But I will destroy the fat and strong. I will shepherd them with justice.
1: The second reading is from John, chapter 10, which can be found on page 988 of the Church Bibles. I assure you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this illustration, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. As the father knows me, and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the father loves me, because I laid. I am laying down my life, so I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. Again, a division took place among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying, He has a demon, and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, These aren't the words of someone demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple complex in Solomon's colonnade. Then the Jews surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. I did tell you, and you don't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish, ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch snatch them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Again, the Jews picked up rocks to stone him. Jesus replied, I have shown you many good works from the Father. "'Which of these works are you stoning me for?' "'We aren't stoning you for a good work,' the Jews answered, "'but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, "'make yourself God.' "'Jesus answered them, "'Isn't it written in your scripture, "'I said you are gods? "'If he called those whom the word of God came to gods, "'and the scripture cannot be broken, "'do you say you are blaspheming "'to the one the Father set apart and sent into the world, "'because I said, I am the Son of God?' If I am not doing my father's work, don't believe me. But if I am doing them and you don't believe me, believe the works. This way you will know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. Then they were trying again to seize him, yet he eluded their grasp. So he departed again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing earlier, and he remained there. Many came to him and said, John never did a sign, but everything John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there.
2: So in uh, verse 10, Jesus says, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Do you like the sound of that? Life in abundance? Sounds good, doesn't it? We all want life in abundance. Um, But how do we get it? Well, like it or not, uh, we look for life in abundance by listening to other people, uh, advertisers, friends, even preachers, perhaps. Um, Like it or not, we're kind of like sheep who follow shepherds. I know being called a sheep is not very flattering, but, you know, the Bible's a bit like that. Um, But here tonight, Jesus makes a claim. He says, I am the good shepherd. If you want to have abundant life, come to me. I have come that they may have life. And have it in abundance. Now I hope by the end of this evening you'll be saying, that's right, amen, yeah. How good is my shepherd Jesus? I'm going to listen to him. The whole shepherd idea, this idea of Jesus being a shepherd to his people, it's a familiar Old Testament picture. You'd probably pick it up if you know much of the Old Testament. Um, It's kind of the picture of God and his people. The shepherd and his sheep. Ezekiel 34 that was read first is, is uh, kind of a, a big moment, big shepherd moment. But Jesus picks up this metaphor to talk about himself. Just a warning, you might have picked this up as we were reading. Uh, he doesn't keep a consistent metaphor. Did, did you pick that up? He kind of goes one way with this metaphor and then goes somewhere else. Don't try to follow it through in one straight line. He's, he's doing lots of stuff with it. But the basic idea is clear. Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep, so that they might have abundant life. His sheep listen to him. There's three characters in this section, so we're going to have three points. Bad shepherds, the good shepherd, sheep. Pretty straightforward. So the bad shepherds. The bad shepherds don't lead the sheep to Jesus. They want the sheep for their own ends. So in Ezekiel 34, we read about how the shepherds of Israel had fed themselves rather than the flock. And a little earlier in that passage, Ezekiel says they ruled the sheep with violence and cruelty. The sheep were scattered, and the leaders made no effort to go and find them. And Jesus in chapter 10 is saying that's the Jewish leaders. Do you remember last week how they treated this blind guy in chapter 9? This guy had been born blind. He'd been basically a beggar all his life. Jesus comes along and heals him, lets him see. So he's got a new lease of life. And what do the Jewish leaders say? How do they conclude? Chapter 9, verse 34. They say to him, you were born entirely in sin. And then they chuck him out of the synagogue which is not like getting chucked out of a pub. Um, You see, when you're chucked out of the synagogue, you're kind of symbolically chucked out of God's people. And so these rulers are sending this sheep away from God. They're actually scattering the sheep. And they were doing this with Jesus as well. He's the Christ turned up in the flesh, and yet they're doing everything they can to stop people coming to Jesus, to stop the sheep coming to the shepherd. These are the guys that Jesus is speaking to in chapter 10 of John. There's no gap between chapter 9 and 10. So have a look with me at verse 1. Chapter 10, verse 1, he says, I assure you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door but climbs in some other way, he's talking about these leaders, they're a thief and a robber. They're bogus shepherds, the kind that a current affair would kind of do some big scoop on. And then in verse 12, look with me at verse 12. The hired man, again talking about these Jewish leaders, since he's not the shepherd and doesn't know the sheep, leaves them, runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. That's how these leaders have been acting towards people. Like in chapter 9, that's just gone. When push comes to shove, they're not interested in the sheep. They're just interested in their own, their own selves, their own glory. And so verse 10, Jesus says, a thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what they're on about. These bogus shepherds, these bad shepherds, take advantage of the sheep and don't lead them to Jesus. And friends, we live in a world that has bad shepherds, don't we? Uh, I don't know if you know this, but the the word pastor comes from the word shepherd. Um, We have bad shepherds in our world that take advantage of people and don't lead them to Jesus. So, for example, uh, the next coming months, uh, we'll have bad pastors coming before the Royal Commission. Uh, It cuts me how people have been ruined, their lives have been ruined by bad shepherds, abusive shepherds. And then there's shepherds or pastors who fleece their churches for money. And then you have pastors who just love their position for what it means for them, you know, the respect they get, the power. And then you've got those bogus shepherds who don't lead their sheep to Jesus. I was talking to a girl from our 5 p.m. service, Mel, about her dad who's uh, at church in Tasmania, And his pastor won't lead him to Jesus. In fact, the pastor keeps saying, stop trusting the Bible. It's irrelevant. And so he's destroying God's flock. Brothers and sisters, um, I say this as a pastor. If one of your pastors isn't leading you to Jesus and he's taking advantage of you and perhaps of their position say something. Draw it to the attention of someone. You must follow the chief shepherd, Jesus, before you listen to and respect his under-shepherds. My boys, Ned and Sam, think it's very funny that I'm a pastor. Um, They can't still decide if I'm penne or linguine. Um, I'm maintaining I'm lasagna, but... um, But Ned also thinks he's Sam's pastor, the younger boy. Um, And there's a very, very, very small grain of truth in that, in that many of us are pastors, right? Connect leaders, kids' church leaders, parents, anyone who's doing one-to-one sort of work, mentors, that kind of thing. If you are in that kind of position, can I say, don't abuse it. God has not put you in that position so you can take advantage of someone. Your job is to lead them to Jesus. That's a privilege. But I want to um, take this idea of bad shepherding a a little bit more broadly this evening. Um, You see, the Jewish leaders weren't just religious leaders. They were actually kind of societal leaders, cultural leaders. And so my question is, who are our kind of cultural shepherds today? This is kind of maybe a hard question to answer. Um, It's certainly not me. Maybe this is a better question. How do you find abundant life according to our world today? According to our city, how do you find abundant life? That's where shepherds are meant to take people. You might get suggestions like this lose weight, find a spouse develop your career, have the perfect marriage, the perfect family, make better investments, go to the gym, have more sex, eat more veggies, drink more water, whatever it might be. But you better make sure you don't get stressed, along with all those things. You've heard that kind of thing, I'm sure. Um, If you want to find abundant life, that's how you do it. But my friends, this is bad shepherd advice, isn't it? It's bad advice. These paths don't lead to green pastures. It's a desert. These suggestions, this bad shepherd advice is like tiring paths that lead to a mirage. And like bad pastors, these kind of suggestions don't lead you to Jesus. In fact, the advice around this world at the moment is leading our whole world away from Jesus, isn't it? They don't lead us to Jesus. And second, they don't care for you. Your bank balance will never lay its life down for you. You'll lay your life down for it. Your trim body won't lift a finger to help you in times of trouble. Not one well toned finger. When a wolf comes, your job will leave you alone. It won't help you, it won't stick up for you. None of these things give us abundant life, friends. And yet most of our life, most of our world, sorry, is listening to this bad shepherd advice, walking down these paths like sheep to the abattoir. Are you listening to bad shepherd advice and walking down that life? Is that where you're looking for abundant life? Well, friends, it's against this backdrop, this bad backdrop that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep, that they may have abundant life. So in Ezekiel 34, um, the shepherds have done such a bad job of shepherding the flock that the flock's scattered everywhere. Like literally, when Ezekiel was writing, they were, the Jewish people were scattered geographically around the place. More significantly, they were scattered from God. They were at a distance from God. Because of the way they'd lived, because of their sin, they, they'd been scattered from him. And yet against this dark backdrop comes the promise of verse 11 from Ezekiel 34. This is what the Lord God says. See, I myself will search for my flock and look after them. I myself will be their shepherd. And 700 years later, Jesus comes along and says, that's me. I'm the good shepherd. I have come to shepherd God's flock on behalf of the Father. Jesus is the legitimate shepherd of God's people. That's why in verse 3, the doorkeeper opens the door for him. And the sheep hear his voice and start following him. Jesus rightfully calls sheep to follow him. And how good is our shepherd? That's my main point this evening. I want you to be able to say, how good is our shepherd? He's so different from those bad shepherds. Read with me from verse 10. It's just this contrast that runs through. From verse 10. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep the hired man on the other hand since he's not the shepherd doesn't own the sheep he leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming the wolf then snatches and scatters them this happens because he's a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep i love this section Jesus takes ownership of his flock. Like in verse 3, he calls his own sheep by name. By name. I don't know if you've seen the ad recently from the ANZ saying, if I'm an individual, why aren't I treated like one? It's because they're trying to make money out of you. (laughs) Friends, you are an individual with God. You're not a number to God. Have you ever thought about this fact that God actually considers you? That Jesus, the ruler of the universe, in his consciousness, you come up by name? Friends, you're not alone in this world. Jesus considers you to be part of his flock. He takes ownership and responsibility for you. He cares for you, unlike those bad shepherds. He cares for you. Hear these words from Ezekiel. These are the words that Jesus is channeling. I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured, and strengthen the weak. Friends, are you lost? Are you stray? Are you injured spiritually? Are you weak? The Lord Jesus, our good shepherd, knows He cares. He wants to shepherd you and bring you to green pastures. What he's keen on is people having life in abundance. Now, I'm sure there's people here this evening who are thinking, yeah, I'm not convinced. It doesn't really feel like Jesus cares for me. He doesn't seem like a very good shepherd, to be honest. You're hurting. You're alone. Maybe you're sick. Desires and temptations seem so strong to you and the words of those bad shepherds seems very attractive at the moment. How do we know Jesus is a good shepherd? How do we know he's worth following and listening to? Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, personally, um, I've read that a lot of times, um, and I've completely forgotten how crazy it is. What kind of shepherd lays their life down for a, a dime a dozen sheep? Who does that? Friends, this is how we know that Jesus cares for you that he loves his flock? Because the good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. He did it. You see, we were scattered from God, friends, far from him. And so Jesus, at the cross, got himself scattered too. He went far from God into the the far country to, to find us, to bring us back to God. And notice at verse 18, he wasn't a victim when he went to the cross. He was on a mission. We were lost in our sin. And so he joined us in sin to find us and bring us back to God. So that in his new life, we too could have new life. A life where we know God truly, deeply. Look with me at verse 14. This is a crazy little section. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. As kind of in the same way, the father knows me and I know the father. In the same way that the father and son know each other, so Jesus' sheep know him. That's the kind of comparison he's making. How well does the father and son know each other? Did you notice verse 38? The Father is in me and I'm in the Father. (laughs) This is some seriously well-connected knowing. Friends, when you trust in Jesus and follow him, we have that kind of connection with Jesus, that kind of level of knowing, that level of intimacy. One... um, Confusing but profound theologian, Karl Barth, once said, knowing God is, above all, a self-involving and self-transforming communion with God as another person. Knowing God is not just about knowing stuff. It's self-involving, self-transforming, communion. It's kind of like a back and forth with God. Or as another theologian who's a little closer to home would say, it's about doing life with God. Later on, Jesus said, um, this is eternal life, knowing God, knowing this God, this God who shepherds his people, cares for his people seeks out his people, lays his life down for his people so that they may have life. Eternal life is knowing that God truly, closely, personally. And it goes on into eternity. It becomes face to face. And so I want to ask you, friends, how good is our shepherd? How good is our shepherd? Um, I had dinner this week with my wife. um, I had dinner this week with my wife. Yeah, (laughs) sorry. We together had dinner uh, with Michelle Goldsworthy, who sometimes plays bass down here. Um, And I asked her what her favorite chapter is in John. She said chapter 6 and chapter 10, this chapter. I asked her why, and she said, No one will snatch me out of his hand. Verse 28. Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish, ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them, given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. What an encouragement to those among us who are kind of feeling uncertain. What an encouragement to those among us who are, feeling like they're sort of maybe losing their grip on Jesus. Nothing and no one can take you out of Jesus' hand. No one can take eternal life from you. Your health and fitness may fade. You might lose your job. Your money might all go down the toilet. Um, your marriage might fall apart. But Jesus will keep his hold on. When the wolves of this world come along, the hired hands will bugger off, leave you alone. Jesus will never leave you. It's very true. So I ask again how good is our shepherd? Now, there's one thing I haven't touched yet, and that is the sheep. Um, Who are these sheep that Jesus cares for so much? Is it you? Is it me? How do you become part of Jesus' flock? Well, Jesus gives one answer, and it's very consistent. Read with me. Verse 3, the doorkeeper opens it for him, for the shepherd, and the sheep hear his voice. Verse 4, the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. Verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Friends, that's how it works. The sheep hear his voice and follow him. That's That's true. Is it true for you? Thanks, Kathleen. Friends, heaps of people have met Jesus in John so far, but only some of them really listened and really follow. Only some of them are his sheep. You see, the opposite is also true. And it's not only just his sheep that listen to him, it's that his sheep, those who aren't his sheep, don't listen to him. Uh, Jesus makes that very clear. Verse 22, uh, the religious leaders come to Jesus and say, tell us, are you the Christ? We want to know. See how he responds? Verse 25, I did tell you, you don't believe. The works that I do in my father's name testify about me, but you don't believe. Why not? Because you're not my sheep. I was at a park recently down at Sirius Cove, um, and uh, I was there with a bunch of dogs. I love dogs. Um, they were all down on the beach, and I was up on the grass. Um, and they were all kind of you know, chasing each other around and wrestling and that sort of thing. And this owner goes... <whistles> And all of a sudden, this border collie kind of stops. The ears kind of pin up and just turns around and bolts back to the owner, across the beach, over the wall, you know, straight back to the owner. I love how they do that. Just keep running. It's great. Great to watch. It's glorious to watch a dog in full flight. But you know, all the dogs, all five of them, heard the whistle. Only one turned around. The other four, it meant nothing. That's what it's like with God's Word, friends. I'm reading uh, the Bible at the moment with uh, two uh, non-Christians. I think um, for one of them, the words are words, dead. For the other one, it's like Jesus is just calling to her out of the pages, like literally calling her by name, like a shepherd. And she's responding. It's quite amazing to watch. That's why I'm not sure if she's a Christian or not. Like, I'm not sure where she's at. It's beautiful to watch. And friends, many of you here tonight um, have heard the voice of Jesus as well. Um, Maybe not audibly. For most of us, it's not audible. Um, Not like some kind of inner voice. I sometimes hear an inner voice, but it's usually about, you know, telling me whether I should be eating soon or something. Um, What I mean is this. You've had that experience... When you've heard God's word or when you've read it, where you've found that it's actually God addressing you, and and you don't sort of question it, it's almost like you can't question it. Uh, You just acknowledge uh, and accept this as true. It's kind of almost self-evident. And it's not just that it kind of dawns on you that it's true and you can't question it, It's it's that it's true for you. So that Jesus is not just the good shepherd, but he's your shepherd. You hear the voice of the shepherd calling you to follow him in his word. So have you heard his voice calling out to you? Are you one of his sheep? If you are friends, what a privilege to have such a shepherd Fellow sheep, can I urge you, keep listening to Jesus. Keep following him. He may well say things that are hard for you to hear. You may well be thinking that that bad shepherd advice is sounding awfully attractive right now. But can I urge you, trust the shepherd. He genuinely is good. He genuinely wants to bring you to abundant life. Life now might not be wonderful, but he will bring you to abundant life. Just to close, whenever I um, read this chapter, I'm reminded of King David. Um, he was a shepherd as well. Um, in, in 1 Samuel 17, he tells us a little bit about, bit, little bit about his shepherding work. Uh, he says this, Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it, I struck it down, and I rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I'd grab it by the fur and strike it down and kill it. (laughs) He's so cocky. I love it. (laughs) But friends, our shepherd is greater still. Because of our sin, we'd been scattered from God. We had wandered away from him like lost sheep. Our sin had driven driven us away from him. And Satan was prowling around like a lion, looking for stray sheep to pick off. But Jesus, he's a good shepherd. He owns us. We are his flock. He cares for us. And so he didn't leave us and run away. He went after the lion. Satan reared up against him at the cross, but Jesus grabbed him by the fur and struck him down, even though in the process it involved being struck down himself. Our shepherd gave his life for his flock, his life for yours and mine. But he was victorious. He rose again to shepherd his people, to rescue us lambs from Satan's mouth and to bring us to life. And now he goes on before us and calls us to follow him, Follow me, follow me to life in abundance. How good is our shepherd? Friends, he is so good. If you don't yet know him, can I just praise him to you? He is so good, so worth following. If you are one of his sheep this evening, rejoice and keep listening. Uh, in just a moment, we're going to remember the lengths that our shepherd went to, to bring us back to himself. Uh, we're going to share in Holy Communion together, where we to remember Jesus' body broken like bread, and his blood poured out like the juice. If you are here this evening, you, you are a sheep. It's a funny thing to say. If you are a sheep in, in God's pasture, then, then please take some bread, take some juice, hold on to it uh, until the end of the song and we'll eat and drink together. If you're not yet a sheep but you're thinking you want to be then please join us. Make this an act of faith. But I'm going to pray for us uh, just as we come to the Lord's supper. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you. We want to thank you that you are such a good shepherd. We needed a shepherd. Oh, we were lost from God. Our sin had taken us far from you, Lord God. So thank you for our shepherd. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the way that he gave himself on the cross of Calvary. Thank you that through him we come to know you, our Father, as Father. Thank you for your love. As we eat now of this bread and drink of this juice, may we be reminded once again of that truth of your love for us. And Father, as we leave here this evening, I pray, please, that you would lead us. Lead us, guide us, help us to trust in your goodness, and then cause us to listen and follow. Guide us, we pray.